Welcome to the Elevate Experience podcast, where we dive deep into the stories of extraordinary individuals who have risen to great heights in their respective fields. I'm your host, Metz Hanlon, and in today's episode, we have the privilege of sitting down with the incredibly talented and versatile Bray Fanasta. From the highs of professional sports to the challenges of personal growth, Brave has a story that will captivate and motivate. Whether you are a sports enthusiast and aspiring entrepreneur or simply someone looking for the spark of inspiration, you're in for a treat. Throughout our conversation, we'll explore the pivotal moments, the lessons learned, and the mindset that propelled Brave to success. Get ready for raw, unfiltered insights sprinkled with humor and a touch of vulnerability. So buckle up and join us as we elevate the experience with Brave Anasta. Well, Brave, it's fantastic to have you here, finally. I know you've had a bit of a break, but, mate, you've had a massive career. 288 games in the NRL. You played 110 games for the Bulldogs, 147 for the Sydney Roosters, and 31 for the West Tigers. You then represented Australia with four games, New South Wales 10, New South Wales City 7, and your own country being Greece mm. for one game, which we can discuss. But huge career, massive respect for you as a journalist, as a player. But I want to start with NRL 360. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, the, of NRL 360. I watch it all Thanks, the time. Mate. My wife goes off at me. She goes, <laughs> you keep playing. Oh, mate. <laughs> I get all. that a lot. I get that a <laughs> lot. The wives are always like, you got this on again? Come on. Yeah. She goes, don't you see Brave enough at the gym? I go, yeah, I did. But fuck, I just want to see what they've got to say. Yeah. But... When I look at your career as a journalist, and that's where I want to start first, because I know you're passionate about it. When you look at your career as a journalist, Ben Iken leaves, right? He was huge. But when, yeah. when I heard, I go, who's going to fill his shoes? Right. right? And, and Yvonne Sampson came on. Yeah. I didn't, if I was to be honest, it wasn't a big hit. And then, you know, there was murmurs out there that you were going to take the, mm. you know, the, the, the chair. And, you know, like for me, when I look at my life, I go, every time I, go to that next level, go, fuck, yeah. am I going to be able to do this? Mm. What was it like for you going to that next level? Because you're on TV almost every night, but then NRL 360, which yeah. is the biggest show, what's the pressure like? Yeah, it was huge because, like you said, they were big shoes to fill. You know, like um, I'd watch the show myself, like you, and uh, Ben Iken was great at, at, at the host uh, job. And then uh, when he stepped down, they obviously move on in there um, and then she fell pregnant and there was an opportunity there for someone to step into into the seat. It, it's hard because you know that you're going to be judged by the person that was there before you and, and Iken was always the one, he was the original with, with, with Paul Kent and did it for so long and he, he left. It wasn't like he, he got sacked or stepped down. Well, he, did, he stepped down, but he, it was his decision. So, you know, everyone, you, you know everyone's going to kind of uh, compare you to him but, and I mean, my first thought going back was I want the job, uh, but I don't think they're going to ask me because I don't think I was actually the first pick um, because I, I just felt, and, and now looking back at it, like my, I always wanted to be a host and I, there's not many guys who uh, in, in all of our, in Australia, or even, there's probably more over in the States that play a full career and then go into hosting, you know, like you see the expert opinion uh, all the expert opinion on Nine, even, and, and, and Fox, and, and over in the States, ESPN, all those. But it's very rare to play and then host. And that that was a challenge, right? So I've always wanted to be a host. And I kind of did, I 
dipped my toes in and was hosting a couple of coverages throughout the year, but not to the extent of 360 or the regularity or, you know, like, but I, I was obsessed with, with doing it. So in my own mind, I knew I could do it uh, and I was confident I could do it. But until you, you kind of get that call up and until you you sit there and the bright lights turn on and it's three, two, one, and you're going, fuck. <laughs> because the first line is, hello and welcome to NRL 360, rugby league from every angle. It's a simple line. Yeah. And I'm thinking, it, don't, like, don't yeah. stuff that. Like, it's a simple line that oh, yeah. is the start of the show. But I was so nervous, I'd get that wrong. So, you know, it was a, it was a huge, um, a huge honour, uh, but scary. And I didn't really know how I would go, but I was confident, like, quietly. Uh, but you, you just don't know until until it starts, you know. Because they tried a few people out. I remember they tried a few few mm. few um, uh, hosts out, and I, when I was watching, I go, "They don't have it. They don't have it." And then I kind of thought, "Brave's got to be the next person, right?" Mm. But then when I watched it the first time, I go, "Fuck, yeah, he's, yeah. he's not quite yeah, there yeah, yet." Yeah, yeah. And obviously, how many episodes do you think it took you to get comfortable? Yeah. So I think that the transition there, and you mentioned Vonnie before. I think what's important to this show is that you have an ex-player on there because yeah. then the more confident you get at being the host and the presenter, you can you can talk on behalf of the players and you've been there and done it. Mm. So you've got more um, authority uh, and you can speak with um, conviction. Uh, I think, you know, what the hard thing without having an ex-player there is that you've got to be strong and you've got to take on the journalists and it's hard to do if you haven't actually experienced it. Mm. So that was... That, that, that's just addressing that. I think that's why uh, it works better with an ex-player. My, my first few episodes were really, I mean, I've gone from not hosting hardly anything to it is the number one show in rugby it league. Is. Like it's the number one news show. It's the, it's, it sets the agenda for the mm -hmm. week through the papers uh, and every other show. Whether yeah. you like it or not, it does. I it's, agree with that. It just I totally does. agree. So, yeah. what, so I knew the pressure in the eyes, but I'm sitting there like going back again. And I've got Big Boss come down. He's in my ear. Producer's in the other ear. You've got to control the lunatics. You know mm. what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the the journos. And you've got to throw to ads, promos. There's a lot to it. Yeah. So it was always going to take me a while to, to I suppose, bring my own personality mm. and be natural because I was so uh, concerned about just getting, as I said, the first line right, mm. let alone starting a conversation throwing to an ad break or, or reading the auto cue. Mm. So obviously it was going to take me a while. Um, it took me probably, I reckon, probably three or four months really to bring out my own personality, get used to the format, get used to the schedule, get used to the producer in my ear, mm. get used to the timings. You, you, it's a live show. Mm. So everything you say yeah. goes around the world. So, you you know, I'm a swearer. <laughs> yeah, You yeah. know, all those things which... You know, I'm amazed I've never swore touch wood. <laughs> but, but you probably will next episode. I'll, I'll, you know, <laughs> oh yeah, you've, you've jinxed me. But like, you know, like th there's so much that goes to it. So yeah. once you get to the point where I'm a host, I'm comfortable. Now I can really be my own personality. Yeah. I can push back on the journos. I can have a laugh, g up. You know, like, yeah. and I know, I, I know when I've got to hit my times. So there's a lot yeah. to hosting a TV show, especially a, a news live. You know, it's it's intense, and so. It took me a few months, and it yeah. was always going to. Um, 
but yeah, it, it eventually got there. So you're, you're you're on for an hour, so you got to cover all the topics, yeah, right. Then you got all the cues. It's like almost a game, right? It is. Like you know, people are surprised because you know, no one really knows that you know you work an hour or not an hour a day, right? And yeah. oh, what do you do these days? I work on an NRL three sixty, or you know, oh, you know. I'm like, no, no, no. Fucking <laughs> I mean, I'm in there at 10.30 every morning yeah. and I get home at 8.30 at night. Yeah. Uh, you know, Monday Monday to Wednesday and I do the thir- uh, thir- uh, Sunday footy broadcast as yeah. well. So I need like I, I don't need to be in there at 10.30 probably. Yeah. I could push it back to midday, but I'm I that's my uh, schedule. It's my um, pre-game routine. Yeah. You know, it's what I do because, like I said, it's so much pressure and it's live. You need to know everything. And yeah. so, and, and I, I don't want to know if I'm going to critique a player or a coach or a, a CEO. I need to know everything hmm. about the situation. I need to know, um, I need to ring players or speak to the club or hear the journos. The journos do so much research and they they speak to every hmm. everyone at the clubs and they get information that's incredible. I, yeah. What I learned is that there are a lot of, Rats at the clubs. <laughs> yes. uh, a, 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 a lot of people, uh, a lot of self-interest, mm. and they'll throw anyone under the bus to protect yeah. themselves. Yeah. So the amount of information we get from people you would never expect mm. about their own people is crazy. So I like to be around all of that, know, know it, f- the facts, and, and know what the journos are going to come with mm. because the journos have got hard-hitting stories that I don't always agree with, but mm. I want to know the facts so that if they come at me and they, I can go, no, no, that's wrong, hmm. blah blah. I spoke to and because if I so if I'm in there because the journos are in with me and they ring up all day and they they're, they're toing and froing with stories, new, new stories are breaking by the hour, and I want to know what they're gonna say, how they're gonna. And I I'm very I'm like the silent assassin hmm. in there, so I say nothing all hmm. day. Yeah. I just listen, 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 and they get shocked because hmm. I, I don't tell them anything hmm. and they think I'm just gonna agree with them. I go no no no, hang on, and they and I hit them with facts. And they're not ready for it, so it adds to the theatre of the show because you want the show to be authentic, you want it to have be genuine opinions, and you want it to be argumentative. If, if mm. it is, if you don't agree with someone, well, why? Because it's, you want it to feel like the people at home are there, yeah. there, or it's just you and your mates on your couch talking about the footy and mm. and not agreeing and or having a certain opinion on things. So it's got to be genuine, and that's what I try to make it. But um, it's a long day. It's a long prep, uh, but it's just got to be. It's like everything, yeah. like, like what you do with the gym and, and, and all, your business and podcast. You've, yeah. you've got to put the time and effort in, yeah. Because obviously the product's going to be better, right? At the end of the day, and that's that's what I think with the show. The the more I'm there, the more time and effort I put mm. in, the harder I work, the better the results, and that's kind of what's happened there. And you and. Probably on the days off, you probably don't have days off, but you're thinking about I the don't show. Stop thinking. You think about <laughs> the show. You're thinking about where am I getting the yeah. information from? Yeah. You, you obviously you got you know everyone loves Buzz. The old, <laughs> love him or hate him, right? Well, but he's either funny, way, right? he's like a cartoon character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But did you think back when you were playing yeah. that there was that many so-called you know rats, yeah. right? Not you know they're not rats, but did you think that there was so many there was more there was people in the club no. that were also doing that you with the journals back that. then? No, you're young and naive, but. So you, you don't think that people would do that, um, but I understand why they do it too because it is what it is. It's dog eat dog world. Yeah. Um, a lot of self interest. A lot of self interest. But what I did, I suppose, what you learn as a player, you get to sort of your twenty five, 
26, 27, you cop it from the journos, the criticism and from fans and you get to a point where you go, you know what, I don't give a shit what they say. I don't give a shit what they write. It's holding me back. Mm. If you worry about that and you really focus on that, it's going to get you nowhere. And, and, and you can see that with players these days, you know, with mental health and, you know, you're better off not reading any of it. I, I say, if you're a player, don't watch our show because mm. our show's for the fans. Our show's critiquing and also putting these guys on pedestals. But... It's, it's more for the fans. It's giving information to the fans that they cannot get anywhere else. And, that, and, and it's not necessarily healthy for a player to watch because you, you're going to be exposed mm. on the show at some point. You know, you're gonna, as I said, you're going to be put on a pedestal, but you're going to be exposed. And if you can't handle that, don't watch it. Don't read the papers. Because when you're a professional athlete these days, and it's all throughout the, the world, mm. you earn good money, um, but you're going to be critiqued, good mm. or bad. Yeah. And you need to... That's the biggest challenge for athletes is how do they respond to that criticism or, you know, you need to learn that it's going to happen, accept it, and you'll be better off for it physically, mentally, and professionally as you, as you, as you sort of evolve. And that's what I tell my players with the management stuff. It's like, man, you gotta, you, you, you got you to gotta get used to being criticised or critiqued or, you know, because that's the reality. And if you don't, can't deal with that throughout your career, you're not going to get anywhere. And I'm the same. Like, I get, you said it. You get, you get beaten up. But I don't, I don't see any of it. See, people say, oh, what do you think? I don't see it. I don't read mm. it. It's not, it doesn't bother me. You know, all, all that bothers me is what my boss says to me mm. and what my mum and my best mate say yeah. to me. That's yeah. all the, bo- yeah. I don't care what yeah. fucking Joe Blow's got to say because yeah. he's not paying my bills yeah. and he's not going to make me better. Yeah. So, you know, and I say that to, again to people watching watch the podcast or whatever, you've got to surround yourself with people that you trust mm. and you love that will tell you the truth. Good or bad. You want to hear the bad. Like if you need to be better at something, you want to hear it, but you hear it from the people that you respect, right? And that, that's that's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, that's only going to make you better. I think you hit the nail on the head there because, you know, like even in, in business, I make decisions. Some some work out and some don't, but I own the ones that that's don't it. work out. But I think it, the more times you're, you're, you're at bat and you're hitting the ball and you're hitting the ball or you're missing the ball, at least you're having a go That's right. and you're in the game. And, you know, this kind of takes me to the next question and we were talking about some of the players and the pressure they're under. Mm. You're managing Cameron Munster, mm. probably the top player in the game. One week he's the king mm. and the next week he's, well, mate, he's down the bottom. Yeah. Not down the bottom. No, but yeah, yeah. Not down the bottom. But, not but where he, he was. if yeah. he does something so minuscule yeah. or so small, it's massive. Yep. So the bigger you are... And the smaller the issue that, yeah. that comes out, you, you've got to you got to aim yeah. up to that, right? Yeah. And for you being on the footy show uh, on NRL three hundred and sixty, is it hard to you know separate the two? Because you got the best player. In yeah, the game. It, 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 it's 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 a when I sign the players, my, and I just said then, the biggest thing that I. I think a lot of players that I experience playing with, and you know, even I was with all the Bulldogs boys last night, Willie Mason, Willie Tonga, Rennie Matua. You kind of you're in this bubble, so people don't tell you the truth, and and you kind of um, you look back and you, you have regrets, right, about certain things, you know, and you can learn the hard way. I tell these players straight away, if you come with me, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not mm. going to sugarcoat anything. <laughs> you know, you read the wrong person. And I've only got a small group, that's all I want, because I want them to be like my, my own. But I, I, they know, I work on NRL 360. If you fuck up or you don't play well and I've got to talk about you, mate, I'm going to tell the truth. I, I can't be show any bias. I, yeah. I really can't. Yeah. And people will always still say it because 
it's an easy sort of thing to say, oh, he's, he manages him, it's biased. Like the whole negotiation last year with Cameron. Hmm. That was, that was, oh. that, that went off its head. Or every, one. you know, it, it, that was tough. That hmm. was probably because I didn't know I was going to be hosting 360. And then, you know, I signed the player that was the number one player in the game hmm. off contract. And we got offered the highest contract in the history of the game. Hmm. So I'm having to deal with that throughout the, throughout the year. That was hard because I had to show a level of respect uh, and confidentiality to my client. Mm. But I'm on the but in saying that, no one would have had the access that 360 had to me either. Yes. So I was given more than what they usually would have got. Mm. But because I was there, they wanted to hit me up every and I'd just <laughs> I'd say to Kenny and that, come on guys, mate. Just let, let let me have the night off. But it was such a big topic. But at the same mm. time I respected him. I gave a little without giving too much. But uh, you know, it's even like Lockie Elias this year, you know. Um he's a client of mine, play uh, halfback for the South and they struggled and he got hammered, you know, all year. Yeah. And, I, and I'd say to Lockie and his dad, listen, I'm on the show tonight and I'm going to be honest. Mm. You know, I'm going to say you're struggling and you've got to be better and it's not good enough, mm. you know. And I'm, I can't sit there because that's not me. And, and that's why I'm in that chair because I am honest and I tell mm. it how it is. I can't be honest, tell it how it is. I'm my client, no, nah, no. Nah. You know, you can't do that. Mm. People see straight through that shit, you know. Yeah. So I pride myself on that. It is hard. Um but, you know, if you're going to be authentic and, you know, people want to trust and believe in the show and you, 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 can't, you can't fool anyone, yeah. you know? You've you got to tell it how it is. And the, my clients, straight up, I tell them that. And, and, and you know, you have to be. If I'm going to sit there and critique other agents and players for what their actions are, mate, I've got to, I've got to be the same on myself and my players. Yeah. You can't get away with that. Um, and there's a fine line, right? It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. And people, I, I, I think people don't understand this part about you and i'm glad you, you came on because i think it's important for people to understand that there's going to be an element of politics in everything oh, there has to be yeah. like and people that, that, that think there isn't there 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 it's a fine line yeah because you don't want to hurt Lockie as well yeah but you want to be honest with him and yeah. you want to be transparent with him and then you know during that process obviously Latrell's having a yeah a, 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 you know an uncomfortable season mm. right is is not aiming up, mm. and then now it's all about Latrell. So yeah. you know, it becomes about Lockie, then it becomes about Latrell. That was it. Oh, that's a good one you bring up, Latrell. That was an interesting one because I'll tell you the story with that. Latrell, I think he's one of the best players in the game, oh, and hundred percent, yeah, shadow of a doubt. I think he's a machine, and yeah. I think he's he can he can win South a premiership. Mm. And up until round eleven, they were coming first. That's right. And the amount I reckon. Eight out of those eleven episodes of three hundred and sixty. Well, we do three a week. I'd say fifteen episodes. I wax lyrical and just praised how amazing he was. You know, we had him front and center on the Fox promos. He's an ambassador of Fox League. He gets paid good money, and he's one of the highest paid players in the game. And he's the heart and soul of South Sydney. So I'm watching and I'm praising and I'm doing all that. And then they fall off a cliff the back end of the year. Now, I watch every game religiously. And I, even on a Monday when I go into work, I have every game on my monitor. Hmm. So I watch, and I've played 16 years at the highest. Yeah. So I, I can watch and read a game. And I know what's going on at clubs. And they were all struggling. There's no doubt about that. It wasn't just Latrell. It wasn't singling, singling him out at all. But they become a game at the end of the year against Newcastle that just looked wrong to me. You yeah. know, I'm like, come on, man. Like, you are the heart and soul of this club. You're their leader. They look to you. 
Yes, the other guys are struggling, but you're the barometer, mm. you know? And no one was really calling it out. And that's why I'm in this seat mm. again, right? Mm. And I and I, I had a, I had footage from weeks, you know, weeks of it. And this is not being disrespectful. This is what I do. I yeah. do it with every other player. And I've done – I've called out heaps of players. I'm not yeah. calling them out. I'm just – every now and then I've got to Stating go – Stating the hey, obvious. Stating the obvious. So I, I'd watched a lot and – I wasn't sure whether to pull the trigger on it, you know, because I'm thinking people are going to come at me and blah, You live blah, in the blah. area. You know, I live in the area. But you know what? That's why I do what I do because I'm, I call it how I see it and that's why I'm in the seat. So I'm watching this game and I'm on the weekend and I'm watching his movements and I'm just going, no, no, no. And then I, I'd seen a lot, you know, leading up to that too. And one, I, had the, I had the footage there. I didn't cut it all up. I just did a couple. I had more. And the journo started coming at me, but I just had it sitting there. And the journo, and I said to the producer, if the journo comes at me when I question it, I want to go to the footage. Mm. I, was, I didn't know whether I was going to do it or not. Mm. Anyway, the journo's going at me, going, and I go, all right, Reedy. I think it was Reedy. I said, well, let's have a look, mate. And I just thought, bang, you know? And we looked at it, and it was, it was quite confronting, mm. right? But again, if you want to take the accolades and the uh, the the you know, again, I, I know I hate saying it, but when you're one of the highest paid players, you're the leader of the club, you're the barometer, you get paid by Fox, and you're happy to take all the um, accolades and the success and the you know what comes the pats with being on well, the, back. the pats on the back. Which I mean, I, I got him and pillar to post from yeah. the second I started to the end of my career. Mm. Like you get as I go back to yeah. this, you get critiqued. Yeah. That's the way it is. There's a responsibility there as a player. Well, you copped it at the end of the Bulldogs. Well, I copped it heaps, as well. But, but, but that's all right. You've you got to deal with that, right? Yeah. That's part of, I say, yeah. it gets part of the game. So anyway, we show this, this footage, and I didn't expect it to be that big of a deal, mind you. I, I just thought, you know, but bang, bang, bang. It went crazy. Like, the show went crazy. The It went all over socials because Latrell does cop a hard time, and he mm. shouldn't, you know? And he cops the racism. Uh, and, you know, he's... He's, uh, I suppose he cops more than he should, you know mm. what I mean? And, and but it, it, it doesn't matter. Like, it, I, it was, it was something that I believed in, and something that, to be honest with you, after I showed it, I've never had a reaction from so many South fans. Mm. They were like, Thank you. Yeah. Like, they're actually thanking yeah. me, saying, About time someone had the balls to just call it out. Mm. Um, so I put my head, I put my head on the chopping block a bit, but what disappointed me the most, and I haven't said this to anyone is that his camp, Latrell's camp, were labeling me, labeling me a racist, right? Mm. Because I showed the footage, which is fucking disgusting. Yeah. Right? And, you know, I'm, I'm half Greek. I, I don't like Greek. the race card. Oh, I, mean, I don't like it like, at all. This is the thing. If you want to gain respect and you want to end racism, mm. don't call the racism on something like that. Mm. So he, 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 his camp was, was um, ringing all the other journos in at work saying, brace a racist, brace a racist. And I said, tell him to call me. Hmm. They didn't call me. But I was filthy at that because that, I, as I said, I, I put this guy on a pedestal and I still love him and think he's a great player and he can win him a comp. Hmm. But I do that with, we do that with a play, players every week. Yeah. He wasn't singled out uh, in terms of a player being singled out because he's Aboriginal, you know, or Latrell yeah. Mitchell. I, I just think it was way off the mark and so disrespectful. And, you know, it, it was a letdown to him saying that. You know, 100%. Like, you know, like, yeah. because he is racially vilified, hmm. 
at games yeah. and on social media, and it's a disgrace. It, it is. shouldn't happen. Hundred percent. Don't, I totally don't pull that. that out because yeah. I'm on three sixty, yeah. and I'm I'm just looking at the performance and him as the best mate, player. You're, you're on there with Gordon Tallis. Mate, night. Gordy was right. Mate, but Gordy, me and him are close, and yeah. you know it was quite obvious, right? But anyway, that kind of riled me up a little bit. But uh, you know, that's again. I don't need to do that. Mm. I don't need to call him out. I could sit on the fence and be the guy that just gets by, mm. but the show won't be as good. One hundred percent. You got. He's got to be a level of honesty, and uh, you got to bring. You got to bring something that you're not going to get anywhere else. You know. I think what people don't understand is you, you've changed careers. You went from playing rugby league. This is another game. Yeah. Like business is is an actual game, and you you either perform or you don't perform, or you're out the door. That's right. And that's what that's what I think people don't understand. They probably don't understand just how hard your job is and that you're passionate about yeah, something. You're I, actually I passionate about it. You want to put the best stories forward. You you, you weren't the best when you got in yeah, there. Yeah. And and you've gone to that next level. And I think sometimes people don't appreciate the work, nah. the effort, the time, you know, you spend in there. Yeah. You know, and, and you, you said it then. I wasn't the best at the start and I got criticized and hammered. But I, and and like like similar to what the players do. Yeah. But I worked on myself. I worked on my game, which is yep. being a host. And now I've got through the other side. Like, it, nothing comes easy. No. You know, and, and I'm, 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 I am still under the public eye and still critique myself. Hmm. So I, but I can deal with that. That's fine. So I feel like I'm in a position where I can do it to others because, because I'm getting the same myself. It's just, it is what it is. What it is. I, think, I think being under that pressure and going through that, just makes you stronger. Mm. It just builds a, a far greater resolve. Yeah. I always say to people, if you can get, the more under pressure you can get, the more you can work harder on yourself, you're going to be able to withstand everything life Definitely. has to throw at you. Definitely. I mean, and that's another thing. Like, I mean, you lose your dad at a young age. Mm. You then go play for the Bulldogs, right? Yeah. You were there when the, the salary cap issue happened. Mm. So you lose all the points, yeah. right? You're a young player coming on and everyone's talking about you. Yeah. You lose the points. You're playing with some of the best NRL stars yeah. at the time. Renny Mitoa, Willie Mason, Sonny Bill. Yeah. The list goes on. Uh, what was the, – the, does something like that happening at a young age prepare yeah. you for where you are now? Definitely. Um, you know, I, you, I've been through a lot. And, I, you know, my dad committed suicide when I was 15. Um, just went to work and didn't come home. And that rocked my world. Hmm. But then you've got you to you step up. Right, you can go one way or the other. Really, you can curl up in a ball and feel sorry for yourself, or you go, "Well, what's next?" You know. So, you, you, all these moments they build resilience and toughness. And at the time, you think it's it's horrible, which it is, and you think you're never going to see the light or get through it all. You know, and and then you you get to the points at the Bulldogs where you know he won seven games in a row, which was a record. Um, that was huge. That year. Very confident we're going to win the comp. We got kicked out for salary cap rort. I was the face of that because it was a new. I was a young gun at the time, and I just re-signed. And it was the Oasis project at Liverpool, yeah. which they were launching. And unbeknownst to me, um, the money was coming from the wrong place, and I didn't know that. And they told me the night before the game. They said to me, "Braith, um, mate, there's going to be something in the paper tomorrow, but don't worry about it." Far out. And I'm like. Sweet. <laughs> All right, no worries. And I'm a young guy, 19. I think I was you know, 19 or 20. And I'm like, no worries. You know, we're going to win a comp this year, all this sort of stuff. The next next day I woke up and I was front page of both the Sydney Morning Herald and the Telegraph, just my face um, and cheats. 
and then we'll, we'll gone with him weeks. And then that, that, that was obviously tough. And it was tough being the face of it too because people just align the face to the headline and it's your fault, uh, fans and that too, you know. So that was hard because I had to work myself back a bit of respect there. And, and the club, I mean, we had, we, we had a really strong team there which could have won a few premierships, mm. but we just had so much going on there, a lot of dramas. and But not, not through our own sort of fault. You know, a lot of it was, you know, through interesting circumstances. But, um, but we... Again, the Bulldogs was the best place for me to be after the death of my father. And then, you know, the the issues we had to deal with, the Bulldogs was a really old school family. You know, like you talk about training. The first session I ever had there, I was a South Sydney boy, obviously, mm. from the eastern suburbs. And I get there and the trainer goes, get on the get on the rower. I'm like, yes, yeah, sweet, mate. You know, like I've never hardly done a weight before. Mm. I was only 16 or 17. And he's, he he just called me a soft souse pretty boy the whole time <laughs> and just broke me into this he he broke me like he just trained me till I was vomiting in the in the in the in the who big, was the trainer Gary Carden okay Billy yeah. Johnson was Billy Johnson the, Billy yeah. Johnson and Gary they were yeah. the two he was his because Billy study. was crazy Cra- they were crazy yeah, right yeah. but they their, their sole objective was to break you and you talk mm-hmm. about going to dark places this this, this builds resilience in you for life this sort mm-hmm. of stuff and really. Mason, Rennie Matua, Sonny Bill Williams, Jonathan Thurston, Roy Azatasi, all these guys, like to this day, we, I was with them last night. Mm. This taught us so much, not only as a player, but just as a, as people, mm. you know, like how to sort of get through really dark times. So they their objective was to break you and they did it to everyone that walked in the mm. door because then I had Rennie come in after me, same thing, same thing, same thing. So what they want to see is what you've got. They want to break you to a point where you're vomiting and you can't move. And you either come back the next day or you don't. If you come back the next day, then you're a bulldog. Mm. If you don't, we don't want you to be here. Wow. So that was the kind, that was the, the ethos, the, the, the mentality. So they would do that to you relentlessly day after day after day until you got to a point where you were that fit that nothing, you never got tired. Mm. And that was the bulldog's way, especially back in those days. Mm. We, we'd, we'd be you know, 12, 14 points behind and never in doubt of coming back and winning. And, we were always the team that come home like a steam train in the last mm. 20 because we did the work. Steve Folks too was one. Well, Steve Folks was known. Fitness freak. Yeah, yeah. You know? But that was the way it was. And it, it, okay, so going back, that these all these moments, the Bulldogs was a perfect club for me. But all these moments where I was feeling sorry for myself a lot of mm. the time because I'm thinking, you know, this hasn't happened to everyone else. You know, dad, this, that. Mm. But, and I, and I had a few breakdowns along the way. Mm. But I got to the point where it just made me so strong, uh, so stoic and I, um, and that's why it, it really helps me even with this job I've got now. You know, you kind of just, as I said at the start, you you you, you learn what's most important to you. You know what what got you there. You know you can go through anything, mm. and you surround yourself with the right people. And 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 work ethic, man. Yeah. There is no substitute. You know, for for hard work. And I'm a hard worker, and I pride myself on that. And I want to be. I want to work harder than anyone else yeah. in the room. That's just that's the way. And I love winning. Yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. know, I want to win. And yeah. and so yeah, I mean. Tough times, but they make you tough. What you've done really well is you you've transitioned from doing you know playing rugby league and, and you're you're a great golfer too. We'll get into that, but from playing rugby league, transitioning it to everything that you do. Yeah. From a player manager, you're on, you're on you know NRL three sixty. You've done it extremely well. Most players don't have that ability to transition, mm. even though they've done the hard work. Yeah. They just, it seems to me like some people, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm. they just don't have the belief to do the next yeah. thing. 
when they've already done something so hard? Yeah. Like, what do you think belief's a huge thing? Belief is, is I think it's everything. Whenever you have self-doubt or hesitation, it hurts you in all aspects of life. Like, mm. you, you can say that from, you know, trying to execute a business deal to being on a footy field and seeing a gap that will shut within a split second if you, and you miss the opportunity if you hesitate. Like, hesitation's the biggest killer. Uh, and that comes down to your belief. When you're flying and you're confident, I think like business and sport, you're unstoppable. Mm. But how do you react to something that goes wrong or adversity or, you know, that, that's the biggest challenge in life. And then once you can find the tools that uh, help you with your reaction to things going wrong more so than right, that's more important than reacting to things going mm. right. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, belief... And confidence, I think, for a lot of athletes because they're so in the bubble. Hmm. You know, like they're so in the bubble and they just think it's never going to end hmm. and they don't think about life after footy. If they do, they might to some degree, but not to enough. Hmm. And you just get complacent. I mean, you know, I, I think for me it was always like I was thinking so many steps ahead, like what am I going to do after footy? You know, and, and media was – a one I thought early twenties and journalism or whatever, you know, presenting and hosting, but you know, you just sort of you get caught in this bubble and sometimes these guys, these athletes, and this would, I would assume would be globally, they get picked up by clubs from local country towns or Queensland or, so they move away from their families. They lose that support network mm. and they just have the players as their family. And that's only going to really get you by while you're playing with them. Yeah. Whereas I always, one thing I always did throughout my career is I had my best mates who are still my best mates now. Mm. I never let go of them yeah. and my family. I always, they were my number one. Mm. My teammates were never, like this may sound, but when I was with them, they were number one. Mm. But I, I, I separated the two. Yeah, well. So... A lot of guys these days, I'm not sure about these days, but I know in my era, they just, that was all they had. Hmm. Whereas I'd go back to my mates, family, dinner, go have a drink with them, go to the movies with them, go play golf. I separated the two. And at the time, I remember the players thinking, he doesn't hang with us as much as everyone else. No, no, I love yous and I'm here with yous all day, every day. Hmm. But I think that's a healthy thing to yeah. have that separation, you know, that keeps you grounded focused and just doesn't make you depend on those guys for everything because they're going to be gone soon. Yeah. They're not going to be there forever. And I think that that's where players... You need strong. foundational support. Yeah. You need foundational support. Yeah. That's with anything. Mm. I think you've got to have your go-to individuals that are going to help you out, you know, and, and the, the ones that you trust that, that, that have no bias that you can go, I'm just going to hear the truth yeah. here. My mates here are going, to, are going to say, don't worry about it, man. Don't worry about it. So I think I think most people have to understand who's your foundation. Look, mm. some people don't have great families. A lot of families are dysfunctional. But then you've got to go find a mentor. Who you find a mentor? Who in the club is someone I would like to be like? Who 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 would I want to emulate? And you know uh, that takes me to the next question. Obviously, you went to the Roosters after that. I'm, and I'm going to go back to the grand final and what that was like. Mm. But you go to the Roosters and, and then you got someone like Nick Politis. Yeah. Like what was that like? You know, you went to the Roosters. You, you played. I think 147 games, yeah. but then you meet Nick Politis because Nick Politis pretty much well, runs I, everything there, right? I met Nick first because Ricky Stewart was the origin coach and it was that was a really tough decision because I was a South junior, and but South had just come back into the comp and it was a really tough decision to make. And 
I kind of wanted to go to South because I was a South man. Yeah, and George Pickens and George is, is your my uncle. uncle. <laughs> yeah, fuck. <laughs> Just you had a tough. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> but the Roosters, I was playing Origin and I wanted to be, you know, I was close with Ricky and at the time the Roosters were kind of at a, a higher level and yeah. I was going to go from playing Origin and my career going that way to going back to South here, which my heart was there, but my head wasn't because I'm thinking I've got to restart, we've got a new team, we could come last. I couldn't lose my origin jersey. I want to play for Australia, all that, because that's where I was at. So all all of that sort of combined, I I made the decision. Well, the Roosters, so Politis, he was Greek, and he straight away leveraged that, you know. He's a a businessman, (laughs) mate. Come come on, break the Greek, all this sort of stuff. Um, But he takes me to dinner to Bondi, and we go to this uh, penthouse on the beach. Mm -hmm. I go up, and uh, James Packer's there. David Gingell's there. Wow. Um, Nick and Ricky Stewart were there. Hmm. Private chef. And I'm just going, oh, <laughs> What's going on? Bondi Beach just there. <laughs> <laughs> like that. I, know, I knew what was happening, but I was yeah. still loving it. Like, yeah. you're just young. You're just going, oh, yeah. and, and they go, you know, Mark Burris and Mark Fennessy. And, you know, they just got all these. And this is another reason that the Roosters do it so well. And someone like me was attracted to it because I'm thinking, Nick, Mark, Gingell, these are all mm. guys I can leverage yeah. to uh, life after yeah. footy. These yeah. are guys that can help me get to where I want to get to post footy, mm. you know, which is a, a mindset that I'd have. That and how old were you then? 23? 24. Wow. So to have that, you know, that mindset yeah. at that age. And Nick's, Nick to, Nick's probably, I'd say, he's definitely one of my mentors, if not still now my mentor so i speak to him regularly he loves 360 yeah and because he's obsessed not obsessed i mean he's the most passionate guy you'll meet in the game mm-hmm. uh and he's it's just unrelenting how much the roosters mean to him and how much he wants them to be successful and how much like he's got five like he's worth oh, and he's got hundreds of thousands of dealerships and property and but his number one passion and love ahead of all that is the Roosters. Roosters yeah. And it's you, you can't, whether you love or hate the Roosters or even Nick for that matter because of the power he's had, you got to respect him. Like, it's just crazy. But he's good for me. Um, we talk often. A lot of it's about 360 because he, yeah. he's, he's um, you know, trying to get certain, you know, he, he watches it and yeah. he's got opinions on a lot of things in the game still. And he'll be in Greece on the islands and he'll watch it on his iPad and ring me after the show. <laughs> like, in, at six in the morning or something like that. And I'm like... Crazy, uh, but no, he even to this day he helps me a lot. So, you know, um, yeah, I wouldn't be where I was without the help of Nick as well. You know, yeah. so you, you val- I value those, and he's a pow- he's a powerful man, but he's got the biggest heart. And hmm. I think with Nick, Nick sort of like, and you look at it like, but I left the Roosters, and it kind of didn't work. But we left on good terms. On good terms, like we respected it. Um, you know, I wanted a couple of years. He kind of they'll. I'm an iron about the one or whatever, and it just didn't work. But we didn't take it personally, and he still involves me in everything at the club and mm. rings me regularly, and 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 you know he loves me. So it's it's a it's a very um, unique relationship and one yeah. that I I cherish. Yeah. Did he see something in you back then? Did he see something in you where he knew you were going to go to that next? Maybe you got to be a journalist. Maybe he did because he made they made me captain pretty much pretty sh- straight away. Mm. You know. Um, at the time, and I think he just saw something in me and belief in me. And you know, I, I rang him when I when I did my Fox deal to get advice from him, and he said, "Mate, 
you, you're going great. Like, you, you should be confident and help me with how to negotiate because I was doing my own stuff. And and he, I, I still ring him with, with any negotiation. But he's, um, yeah, I think he saw something in me probably that others didn't, you know, yeah. which was good. What was your, I mean, at the time, what was your relationship with Brian Smith? Because, you know, Brian Smith's got a different way of dealing with people. Yeah. He gets results, but it, it can backfire on him afterwards. I would say Brian Smith, the Close to the most talented coach I've ever had, mm. smartest coach I've ever had, yeah. but he got in his own way. Yeah. I think in in terms of premierships and success at that next to get to the next level, which I feel sorry for him because he deserved yeah. the premiership, and we nearly got him one. Paramount nearly got him one. He's had a few, but St George, St George, so smart, like miles ahead of the game, but just almost too smart mm. and overcomplicated to a degree of just the way he delivered certain players and. You know, he'd message guys the night before and tell them they were out when they thought they'd trained all week and they were in, you know, yeah. and their families had flown from, you know, in a state to watch them and stuff. Like, mm. mate, you know, like little things like that wear players down and players talk. And yeah. then once you lose that kind of bit of respect and because mm. that's why Wayne and Trent Robinson and Bellamy are so good is because they are great men and mm. communicators and they're brutally honest I, I would imagine i haven't played under all of them but they're the man's man mm. and they value the relationship like it's like you, you know if you're a boss of any organization any business if you can tap into the to the client to the employer into in, into the player and they feel like you really care about them mm. then you're going to perform better because you're going to it's not not only you're doing it for yourself but you're doing it for your coach and i think that's where that separated sort of Brian from then because Brian had the ability to be like these guys because I've n he's the smartest coach mm. of that. I think he is the smartest coach of that. Like the game plan, specific game plans to to execute and to um, I suppose expose other teams' vulnerabilities. He would go to games two or three weeks in advance and watch the team we're going to play in two or three weeks at the game. He'd watch their game, sit behind the post, and come up with a game plan a week or two ahead of the game. Wow! Like every week, and yeah. Robbo because Robbo Trent Robinson was his understudy. So Robbo, what's Robbo did, he learned all of that from Brian, Brian Smith. But took wow. I reckon he took the little negatives probably and, mm. and ingrained his own uh, magic dust, Robbo, mm. and he's formed the coach he is today. But Robbo actually would have learned so much from Brian and I would say Brian's got a lot to do with Ro Ryan uh, sorry, Robbo's success. Yeah. But Robbo was I, sp I suppose smart enough because he was our assistant in 2010 when we made the grand final me and robo were like this actually mm. very close and i i, I rated him then mm. and they let him go and i said you shouldn't be letting him go and he comes straight back won the comp in his first year yeah. uh, but he had the communication and uh the respect between the players but he also had the nous that mm. brian had and the smarts yeah and that's why he's so good so uh, and that makes a huge difference and look you you went back to this one thing and it's funny because i was helping this client and i said you've done this amazing transformation. I go, what was it? He goes, you believed in me. And sometimes we don't realise the power of belief. And I think you're right. Like even at times, like I get in my own way because I go, if I don't give enough time to this team mm. member mm. and I don't tell them I believe in him, I go, I'm going to lose him. Yeah. And and it's so important to reinforce that belief mm. more than once because yeah. <clears throat> once sometimes is enough because it's like you're, you're as good as your last game, yeah, yeah. right? So it's good to know, hey, this is this is where you perform. This yep. is where you can perform better. 
you know, I want to give you a chance this week. Yeah. But, mate, if we can't get it to this level, I can't keep doing it. But I'm going well, to tell I, you what you got to go work back on. That's right. It's hard to do, to get to everyone. Yeah, It's hard yeah, to do. Right? It is. You know that's that. the hard you part. You know that, right? It is, yeah. It's hard to do. Um, but it's it's just it's, – it's a relationship that really, I think – is gonna you're gonna it's gonna make you better, yeah. right? If you can if you can do it and you can form that trust and that relationship with your, your with your employer or your, your, you know your, your player, um, you're gonna benefit from it, you know. But it, it's not easy, you know. It's not easy because it's you're time poor as well, right? Does, let me ask you a question: Is it is it that sometimes the head coach, the trust, and the assistant coach, mm. like do they do they feel like? Hey, this guy might take my job if I trust him too much. You have to trust him. You have to, but but in Brian Smith's instance, do yeah. you think he couldn't let go? He couldn't let go as much. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. Like, I think he he had a good dynamic there with Robbo. He trusted him. He didn't think he was taking his his job. We've seen it. We saw it with the South, you hmm. know, with Demetrio and, and Semi Burgess. Yeah, I think that's why it's really important who you get as an assistant coach. Um, because you don't want to be looking over your shoulders. Yeah. You've, but in saying that, if you are comfortable in your role and confident as the head coach, you shouldn't be looking over your shoulders anyway, and you yeah. should really be taking anything on board from those who are going to help you. Yeah. And even take pressure off you. And that's where Wayne's so good. He gets it right every time. He's got the right assistant who looks after the, you know, the technical side of things, the strategy, and he really focuses on game day, man management, making sure the players are are up at the right time and they're making sure they're, they're all happy. Because there's 30 players. Yeah. You've got a whole week to get through and yeah. get to 30 players. It's not easy. You need your assistance. You need your assistance. So then if your assistance obviously is coming up a game plan, you're a good man manager, yeah. that's going to make a massive difference in the outcome of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you got a lot of slack for not getting Cameron Munster to the Dolphins mm. from Wayne. Yeah. Did, did Wayne ever reach out to you? Because I respect Wayne so much, I've yeah. got to be careful what I say. <laughs> if I told the truth, yeah. which I don't really care. Yeah. So I'll tell it how it was. So Wayne, well, it's, we go back. because Do you remember the Grapper incident? Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. We were there. It. So he got that was during COVID. COVID. Right? Yeah. So during COVID, he wasn't supposed to be um, leave the team hmm. environment, let alone go to a restaurant. Hmm. And I had Locke and Elias there. He was only a kid at the time. And we were celebrating a deal that he'd done with South. And Wayne yeah. was the coach. Yeah. And where they were, Lockie wasn't in the full-time squad. So he was allowed to leave. He wasn't in the bubble. Mm. So he came, to, we, we met with Lockie at, at uh, Grappa. Anyway, Wayne walks in to Grappa with his missus and some other bloke. And I'm thinking, why the fuck is he here? <laughs> <laughs> and it's a full restaurant. And I yeah. know... Mate, all the I know all the security guards. I know Shmo, yeah. all these guys I knew were there. They were on yeah. the on the scotches, yeah. and the restaurant was full. And Wayne's sitting facing the whole restaurant. And I and and I looked at Lockie's dad and I said, "This is not good." I said, "I'll tell you why it's not good." I said, "Because he's walking in now. He shouldn't be. He's seen me, which he comes straight over to. We, we shook hands. How you going, Lockie? All this, and he went back and I said, "Someone's gonna." Dob him in, yeah. and he's going to think it's me because I'm the yeah. only one he knows. Yeah. I said, I'm telling you, and I work at Fox. Yeah. I said, this is not good. So Wayne has his lunch, and he's at the end of it. The waiter comes up to me, says, "Mate, Wayne's waiting. Wayne wants to see you." So I'm like, "Oh, it's happening. It's happening." Hmm. I go out, and Wayne's like, "Listen, mate, I'm not supposed to be." Here. I said, "I know you're not." I said, "I'm not going to say a word." 
That's anyone who knows me, mate. Cross my heart, but I said, mate, there's a lot of people here. I'm just telling you, I will not say a word. Hmm. Anyway, I'm sitting at I'm sitting at lunch. No word of a lie. Fifteen minutes later, Buzz Rothfield. Wow. Fifteen minutes as I'm sitting there still having Fuck. lunch, and I'm looking at my phone going, "Oh Fuck. no, oh no." So I ring Sam, Sammy B up because I was looking after Sammy at the yeah. time. I said, mate, can you ring Wayne for me? Buzz is ringing me. I said, mate, they're on to him already. I said, this is what's happened. Bah, bah. Sammy goes, sweet lad, sweet lad, I'll call him. So he calls him. Buzz, Buzz just relentlessly called me for 24 hours. He, wow. You know, and the next morning I answered it and he goes, Brave. <laughs> How you going, buddy? And I'm like, what do you want, Buzz? Like I knew yeah. it. And he goes, were you at Grappa yesterday? <laughs> and I said, Buzz, I, don't want, I just said to him, I don't want nothing to do with this. Yeah. Don't ask me any questions. I said, see you later. And that was it. Anyway, it comes out. Wayne's a Grappa. He got in trouble over it. Blah, blah. I tried to call him. Wouldn't answer the phone. Uh, told the, He told uh, South and media outlets that it was me. And he just sort of um, tried to palm this off to me like it was my wow. like it was. He, he threw me under a bus. Yeah. And I love I love like I've only ever looked up to Wayne. Didn't know him that well because I never yeah. played under him. But it was disappointing. And he mm. just he just took no ownership for it. And no one's going to give a fuck about me because Wayne's the king, right? So I didn't yeah. I didn't make a big deal out of it. I just yeah. let it go. But deep down, I was like, come on, mate. Like mm. that, you know, at least take a phone call from me and man up. You wouldn't even man up on the phone. Anyway, this then it, then this is why it gets better. Yeah. Fast forward a few years, yeah. I've got Cameron Munster yeah. and Wayne's the coach of the Dolphins and he wants Cameron hmm. and he has to go through me. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> now you want to talk to me, Wayne. But no, we, we, we actually didn't do any of the negotiations, me and Wayne. Hmm. So it was through Peter O'Sullivan, who I was really close with. He was at the Roosters recruitment. Um, but it was all Wayne, Peter, me. And it was weird yeah. because Wayne had... You know, he had to be the the proud, you know, man who was, you know, was in the right, and I was, in, you know, tried to. Mm. He in no point did he say sorry or mate, I was in the wrong, or mm. you know, I shouldn't, I should have took your calls. He, he, you know, he's he's obviously very stubborn, but so I didn't care. I still wanted to. That was irrelevant. The, mm. the the main thing was to get the deal done for Cameron. So Cameron, in the end, because they wanted him so much and they needed a marquee player, and you know, they offered him. Nearly, I'd say six million over four years. Yeah, which was the biggest. It would have been the biggest. I would have executed the biggest deal in the in the history of the yeah. game. And I've only just a new agent, right? Yeah. But that you know, again, you know, and I said to I said to Cameron, I said, mate, these are your options. It was like two million more than Melbourne. I'd mm. say minimum over the period of time. I said, you've won your comps at Melbourne. You know, I said, you've got a really, the opportunity here for you in, at the Dolphins is crazy because not only are you going to be the player, the captain, um, you're the king of Queensland, really, with his origin already. I mm. said, you're going to be that marketable. You're going to get, your off-field endorsements are going to be through the roof. Mm. I said, mate, I've locked you up. But I actually had a coaching job for him straight after. I had him a, an unreal car. I had him, mm, every, I couldn't have done a bigger, better deal for him. Mm. And Melbourne would just, Weren't, weren't coming to the party either, mm. which he wasn't happy with. Uh, and they'd re-signed other players and prioritised them in front of him. So I'm thinking, he's not going to stay in Melbourne, you know. Anyway, he was procrastinating all year. And I said, mate, I'm sick of this at the end of the year. You need to make a call. I mean, we're copping bullets here. 
I can't get you a better deal anywhere in the world. Mm. I said, you know, it's up to you now. I respect you and your decision. So I said, mate, come and meet me down in Coogee. And he hadn't had a drink all year either because he was off the drink all year. Yeah. I said, we'll have a few drinks together. We'll get this deal done. So he, I took him to Mimi's over here. Anyway, we had a nice lunch. He's had a few drinks. And he's like, mate, I'm going the Dolphins. I said, are you sure? And he goes, yep, it's too good of a deal. Uh, I've got to set my family up. I need to work again. You know, it's a good opportunity, all that. I said, okay. I said, I'll, ring, I'll, I'll wait and ring Wayne tomorrow. Hmm. I'll, I'll ring you tomorrow or, or Peter O'Sullivan. He goes, sweet. So we, he goes, I said, he, he was adamant, I'm going. So we just had the night um, and then he went, flew back first thing in the morning. In the afternoon, he, lucky I didn't call Wayne earlier because <laughs> right. I, I was going to call him around lunchtime and I thought I'll just let it go to the afternoon. He gets back and he rings me. He goes, brave. I go, what? <laughs> he goes, nah. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I don't know. I said, mate, wow. I've just flown you to Sydney. So he was unsure again. And then he was gone. But mm. then lucky I didn't call because that would have made my job harder. Or I don't know if he may have even just stuck with that decision. Mm. I don't know. But it was, it was interesting. And then Melbourne kind of come to the party a bit more. And then after the grand final, he rang me. And Penrith won, I think it was the first year. It would have been or second mm. year. Or whatever it was. And he... Because he, he still hadn't made a decision. He rings me straight after the grand final. He goes, I want to stay in Melbourne. I want to win comps. And I, I kind of thought to myself, I love the attitude, but are you sure they're going to win comps too? Like, mm. you know, I said, because I have to tell him everything. Yeah. Like, I, I, like I, 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 I love the fact he's been loyal and I want him to be happy. Happiness is the most important thing. Mm. I'm Tyron, I seen Tyron say yeah. that last week because he does a great job with his guys and at the end of the day, money isn't everything and yeah. you've got to be happy. And I know that. And the happier you are, the better you play. Mm. You know, similar to what Tyron was saying. So, but I've still got to give him every scenario. I said, yeah. mate, you can retire. Like, you, you, you will have no pressure. I said, you make the finals at the Dolphins, you're a hero. Mm. You, you don't win a comp at Melbourne, you fail. Yeah. I said, so they're totally different. You, you, you can, but respect. He goes, fuck, no, nah, I want to win comps and our best chance is here and I, I love Melbourne and I want to stay in Melbourne. I said, are you sure? And he's like, yep. And I said, I'm going to ring Trip, Matt Tripp right now, the owner of Melbourne. And he goes, ring him. And that was it. So he took a few million less. Um, yeah, and he, he just his loyalty was over money. I guess Craig being there with Craig Bellamy for that long. That was a big That thing. was a huge thing, right? So that would have been but massive. But even then, mate. But he could that, be gone too, right? And I tried to say that to Cameron. I said, mate, he could be gone. And, and, and I think he's, he's on again next year, which is good. But he was nearly gone. That's he was right. nearly gone. I'm like, mate, you do not know if Craig, because Craig hasn't hadn't locked in either. I mm. said, mate, you can sign this, and Craig could be gone next year. Yeah, he's still he's still mate, he's, he's stuck solid. But even at that point, like if you look at it, if if Craig doesn't have the best 2024, mm. you know he 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 looks like he's towards the end of it anyway. Melbourne, have got so a it's challenge. a big risk. Melbourne it's a big have got risk. a challenge. Yeah. They're, they're, they're um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. You know, Cameron still believes in them immensely because he's he's that he's that he's a freak. Like he's he's he is a freak. He but he just hates losing. Will do anything to win and prioritizes the team and loves Melbourne. He he still thinks they can win. My opinion is they're in a bit of trouble. I you know they're, they're definitely a trend. They're, they're a few forward short. Yeah. Their forward packs, you know, they got the spine, but the spine only play off the back of the forwards, right? And the forwards are two or three short of of premiership forwards. Like they're not even close to. Penrith or Brisbane, yeah. you know, so that's the challenge for them. Well, I think I, I look if I look look at it, you know, um, without any bias or anything like that, mm. I'm not biased to them anyway. 
more blows to Manly, but they're terrible. Yeah. But, <laughs> That's not <my> gay. <laughs> but, yeah, I know. No, no. Every time I look at it, I go, no. fuck, I don't want to talk to about Manly. But <laughs> if you look, Melbourne's not bringing the type of players they used to bring through. Mm. You know, if you look at, you know, years gone by, they were bringing these superstars through. Yeah. It seems like they are at points. Yeah. But it's it, it seems to be taking a lot longer. Yeah. I don't know if it's the distribution of more teams, you know, the pool of where players, you That's know, recruitment, you know, is taking players from. Yeah. But they were producing superstar after yeah. superstar after superstar. They're not doing that anymore. Yeah. And usually they don't go out and buy any big players. Mm. They buy pl fringe players, but they're not getting the ones that they used to that used well, to come they, through. They, they they showed that because they tried to get Big Tino this year from the Gold Coast. Yeah, he was in Melbourne a few years back. But they, that's what they need. But that shows that they've actually got to look for the big names now to sign. Which you're right. You know they they've kind of bought um, you know the, the Christian Walshers and those guys through. Um, yeah, they're just they're. They're not going to win your premierships. Yeah. They, they prioritise their spine and spent a lot of money on it, rightly so. Mm -hmm. Have a look at it. But again, they're just, I think they're producing players, but not to the same level. Like Fail Longo, that young kid, yeah. he's a gun. Um, but it's producing that, like, even their outside backs have done well. I think they can be better. Um, he, he fell away. Um, what's his name? Um, of, I don't the remember. Like, Justin. Holm, yeah, just yeah, he Holm, had a bad year, which hurt them because Remus has uh, had a good year and he's he's done well for Melbourne since he's been there. But they're just a bit short and outside yeah. backs and forwards. And I, I don't know if it comes down to development or if they're dropping the ball or not where they needed to be, or it's just that they've they've kind of prioritised too much money into a certain area and and taken their eyes off you know the forwards and which can happen, the right? Room, so like things get tight. You get tight, like as a club. Yeah. It's not easy to keep regenerating. Well, they didn't want to let go of Harry Grant, Pappenhausen, Hughes, or Munster. Yeah. Why would you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, massive highlights in your career, obviously. What what is what what have been some of the biggest highlights? Obviously, you played for New South Wales, mm. Australia, one of the Bulldogs. Are they all highlights where you're sort of like pinching yourself mm. when you won the premiership, when you when you represented Australia, you, you know, when you represented New South Wales? It's Take me through what it was like yeah. for each of those. All right, I'll start with Australia because that was my first. I got picked when I was 19 to tour um, and I'd had got rookie of the year. So it was crazy. It was like just, well, like I was a kid into the papers and all over the news and then making Australia and traveling on a kangaroo tour with Brad Fittler and Darren Lockyer and Andrew Johns and <laughs> all your like heroes. Two years earlier, I'm watching TV at home like, going, like they were my favorite players mm. and then Two years later, I'm on playing against England with them. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, so that was surreal, and that was that. I cherish it more now because I, I didn't. I played four Test matches and didn't get back there. You know. So yeah. th at the time, I thought I'd play a lot more. Obviously. So yeah. now you cherish it more once you're sort of retired. But um, New South Wales was crazy. Like, it's such an intense. It's it's the pinnacle. Mm. It is the. It is so fast. It is physically so demanding. Mentally so demanding. The whole nation pretty much stops for it. You know that because you've grown up with it, mm. and you've you, all you've ever wanted to do is play for New South Wales. Really, that's it. And you put the sky blue on. You drive into the game through Caxton Street and Suncorp Stadium, and the, the fans are trying to, you know, throw the bus over, throwing yeah. shit at the bus, and you just love it. Like it's it's you just mm. go and, and it's surreal. Like you're a young guy going, is this really happening? You know, and then you even run out in the field, you can't hear anything. It's a capacity crowd, and you've got to execute a game plan under pressure. It's like. It's just like, wow, you know. Um, but, like, for me, the highlight, we won the series in 2005. 
And Joey, I've played with Joey Johns, Andrew Johns, who I think is the best player ever that I've ever, well, mm. I've ever played with. And just watching him play, it was like a game of chess. Mm. He was two or three steps ahead of everyone. And he just manipulated the opposition and just set them up, set them up. Look one way, go back to the other. Look one way, go back to the other. Then go mm. back to there. Like he just, he just was a, he was, it was a masterclass and he was a mm. genius. And I was 5'8", he was half. And I just went along for the ride. Mm. And he made me look good and... Um, it was a great series. That was the highlight, like just playing with him and, and winning an Origin Series. And, and, yeah, that was huge. But the biggest one of all is winning the Premiership. Yeah. Because – Especially after what he's been yeah, through. Yeah, after what he went through. But it is the pinnacle because you just – you live and die with these guys. Like this, you go into battle like every week. And yeah. we'd been together for quite a long period of time. And we'd been through such emotional highs and lows. And um, and we were just expected to win too at some point because we yeah. had such a really good team and – we loved each other and, you know, and we only, it was a close game against the Roosters, what, 16 13, and uh, went right down to the last play. Hmm. Um, but to just, you know, even your family, like your friends and family who have been through everything with you, because they all go through the journey with yeah. you. They all ride the emotions and they sacrifice as well. You know, they sacrifice, they come to games all over the state, country, and, um, you know, they, they're your loyal supporters. Mm. They're, they're with you when no one else is. You know, they see your darkest times. They see your, your greatest times. And you do it for them. As, you know, when you sit in the national anthem and you see them, it's emotional because you, mm. you're not just doing it for yourself. You know you've got a whole team behind you that you've have invested so much into you and yeah. you want to make them proud and happy. So when you win a comp, it just it, – the feeling is just – you can't magic. explain it. You right. can't explain it. It's just like you've just achieved everything you ever wanted to achieve. Mm. It, it really, you know, there's no greater feeling um, apart from having kids. Yeah, yeah apart from having kids. <laughs> you, you got two, right? Yeah, two, two girls. I've got two girls as well. Yeah. There's no other love like that, right? Nah, no crazy. one can explain that. Crazy. It's that's that's the craziest one. Like yes. anyone can tell you, you know, you know, all your moments, but that's probably the, the biggest one as a dad. <clears throat> now, you can stay fit, right? Mm. You, you're doing a, you're, you train every day. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like. I look at your schedule. Mm. You're fucking you're up till late. Mm. You get to work at ten thirty. You're in the gym every single day. Yeah. I was seeing Rennie Matur today, and he's looking at me. I'm getting a coffee. I go, "What are you up to?" He goes, yeah. "My fuck, I'm about to have a workout break." He goes, "I don't <laughs> want to go, Mets." We you train too. hard, like like. Is, is it something that you go, "Hey, this is what I got to stick to after my rugby mm. league career. This is important for me because." If I'm not fit, if I'm not feeling physically good, I can't perform yeah. at my best. It's not just the physical thing. I think it's more importantly the the mental. The mental. Um, if I if I'm looking good and feeling good, I'm more productive and I'm happier. I'm healthier and I mm. give more to my kids and I give more to my work and I put the time in and I'm bouncing around and I'm it, that it, it all snowballs. It, it mm. coincides with each other. If I'm because I, I, when I retired. I still was extremely fit. I was in here every day for, you know, forever. I, when COVID hit, I know it's been an excuse for people, but it, it certainly hit me because I had newborn, like newborn, um, you know, I was working still and I couldn't quite train. Like I, I got out of routine yeah. and, and I was eating shit, drinking. And it, it, I put on probably 12 kilos within a sort of two or three year period. Yeah. And just, I knew I, I knew I looked shit. I felt shit. I wasn't, didn't like what I saw in the mirror. And I, I felt like mentally it was hit hit me, you know, like I wasn't the person I wanted to be, um, and that's a hard thing to kind of 
because I've, I've always been disciplined mm. and, I've, and you know that and I've always trained hard and I've, it's always been a ritual of mine and I dropped the ball and I was disappointed in myself. Mm. So 18 months ago, I'm like, bang, let's get back to it. Um, started slow in here every day. Um, I've started a program strong, Dad. Yeah, yeah, I was going to talk about is, that. Um, yeah. which How's is, that going? It's going really good. Uh, we're about to launch the next program and, and, and we're going to do a podcast style, but it's really focusing on men. Yeah. Um, and because... Because of what I just said, like a lot of guys, you know, they don't talk, right? That's and right. And a lot of us kind of go through those moments by ourselves and are too proud to sort of let people you know you're struggling or you need mm. a bit of a bit of help, just even with mindset and just tools like you, like yeah. you do with your clients. It's not always about the physical side of no. things. It's even just the interaction at the gym. Yeah. You know, with just getting stuff off your chest. I feel like when I train with all the boys – and a group and create that community, yeah. you, you, you tend up getting a bit a bit deeper and talking about life more than what you would if you're doing it by yourself mm. or you weren't creating that environment. 100%. You know? So you, you'll say things, you get something off your chest you wouldn't probably usually do and you feel more comfortable if you hear other guys that are more vulnerable, right? Yeah. So we just wanted to create that that sort of feel and, and that it organically kind of happened and, and now it's really good. But I split it up. I do the strong dad stuff and I come in here. I normally do both a day. Yeah. I'm up, at, I'm up at five, done with the strong dad by 6, 6.37. And I'll come here on the way back or I'll come back during the day. I, yeah. I, I try and be, beat the rush in here because, you know, yeah. it gets busy in the morning. So, I, and I've got, lucky I've got the time there. I can kind of, I don't start my day with a little 10.30, drop the girls to school. I can, hmm. I can get in and around it. And at the moment, I've got a bit of time so I can come in whenever. So, I, I, I but now because we're in Coogee, you can, I do the run, walk, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's a great yeah. spot to yeah. feel like that. But, mate, yeah, no, but I, I, I mean, nearly every day, and it's uh, yeah, it's just part of my routine. Yeah. Do you think, like you know, helping you know your community, um, it's something important to you where you're giving value back of what you learned in sport yes. and what the resilience it's built with you and what you go through with the footy show. You like you can talk from a, a lot of experience, it's right? Like, it's like I want to. You can be someone's hindsight, you know. Like you don't want to have regrets, and we all we all we all going to make mistakes, right? But if I can get ahead and help someone you know, with, with their preparation or mindset or, you know, as I said, I went back to it earlier. I think the biggest thing in life is having tools and ways to handle loss or defeat yeah. or setbacks. Yeah. You know, if you look at life at the moment, the interest rates, cost, cost of living, separation rates, mm. they're all up. They're Very all huge. crazy through the roof. Yeah. So the reality is at some point, one of us is going to have to deal with any of those mm. things, right? So how do you deal with it? You know, do you, do you, like I said, do you curl up in a ball? Do you feel sorry for yourself? Do you look at the negatives or you just go, all right, what are the positives? What can I do? What, what makes me better? What makes me perform better? How am I going to earn more money? Hmm. How am I going to look better? How am I going to, you know, like I said, there's what, you know, prioritizing your time, you know, like you, yeah. you, you do that with all your programs as well. It, it's so, it, we've all got time. Yeah. We can, we can all sit around and say we don't, but you can fucking make time. Yeah, you can. You know, that, that's just an example, but yeah. there's so much more you can, advice you can give to it. To, to, to people that you've lived and, you know, can help. Yeah, look, I think a lot, everything comes back to process. I, I go to myself, I'm going to get up at this time. I'm going to do, you know, A, B and C. I'm going to make sure I do my training right. I make, make sure I get my eating right mm -hmm. because that's going to prepare me for what's to come ahead. And I was the same as you during COVID. Mm -hmm. I let myself go. Mm -hmm. The gym was closed for seven yeah. months. I was at the front news I of the paper. It. I was 2GB <laughs> for fucking marching for the lockdowns. Yeah. They got me on a technicality, but yeah. I had to cop it on the chin. Yeah. And, you know, in hindsight, I think that was the best thing for me. I remember there was only four of us working at the time because we only had four staff. I was one of them. Mm. I had 
police knocking on my door every single day. I said, mate, when are you going to let me go? Yeah. And then I had to go to the, you know, police station and I go, mm. mate, what's going on here? And he goes, well, someone doesn't like you. Yeah. I said, fucking hell. Well, 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 it was. It was yeah. definitely that. But see, it made you, has it made you better from that? Mate, I remember members were coming in. I was yeah. doing every shift, yeah. seven days a week. I only had three staff. Yeah. One guy comes up to me and he goes, mate, are you okay? Mm. I'm going, yeah, go, well, what, what do you mean? I'm, I'm yeah. here, aren't I? Yeah. He goes, no, nah, but you're getting beaten up everywhere yeah. on the social media platforms. And I go, mate, and at the time, I'll be honest with you, Brave, I wasn't reading anything. Yeah. I said, F everything. Yeah. It was tough. I'm not going to yeah. say it wasn't tough. Yeah. You know, you're coming back from a closure of over seven months. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, it, and, and it's hard. But in hindsight, when I look back at it, I go, yeah. that was the best thing. It built me back better. It made me trust myself yeah. more and more self-belief. Yeah. Initially at the start, you're like, fuck, man, how am I going to get through this? And I think that's what a lot of men need, people like yourself, where you've gone through the battles. Mm. You, you, you've built the battle scars. You mm. know what I mean? You've got the calluses that, that you had to go through mm. and they need individuals that actually went through and not people that didn't go through yeah. it. And you, you know, I think the more stories you hear as men <clears throat> of other guys going through tough times, it, it's, it makes you feel like you're not alone and you're, and, yeah. and you're normal. You know? And that's, that's the stigma around guys is that, it's all, there's always going to be struggles. It's a challenge. Life is yeah. a challenge. Kids, family, wives, you know, houses, mortgages, cars. You know, it, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. But we're all we're all going through it, and we're all here to help each other. Hundred percent. The more you more you just talk about that sort of stuff, I think it just puts people at ease a bit more. Yeah. And, you know, lessens anxiety and all that sort of things, which is what I've learned a lot. You know, dealing with players going through my career, but also post football. With work and, and even this strong dad program is you know there's a lot of guys that need help and want they help do. and that's what we're here for right yeah and even the gym and all that that's it's a great the best the best thing for your mind is the gym gym yeah huh. yeah hundred yeah. percent well mate thanks a lot I mean people can find you everywhere yeah they can find you on Fox League Strong yeah. Dad you Koji. know um, Koji <laughs> the streets the social media yeah. what's your social media handle just oh, Braith and just hit Braith and Asta I'm not good with all that stuff yeah but, yeah. but yeah, Braith and Asta Braith and Asta yeah. yeah but mate you're doing a fantastic job but thank you for coming you know I sent you the questions you said Mets no holds barred yeah. go for it mate let's just go for it and it. let's rip it in and hopefully give I think we gave a lot of people a lot of value mm. about resilience strength coming back from adversity, all the things that are important, especially for people doing your program. And I just want to thank you for it. On your Thanks a lot, brother. Pleasure, mate. Thank you. Thank you buddy.